Thank you, Bernadette, and thank you for the frozen chosen that all made it out. We've got, uh, I think, 30 or 29 youth away uh, on retreat this weekend that, ch that chose a, tr a cold one. I haven't heard back from them, but hopefully you have if you've got a youth away and they're doing okay. Uh, I'm sure they'll have a, a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, if your uh, car battery started, it's in good shape. And if your door's closed uh, when you got in, then you're, I guess you're in good shape. My doors didn't close. I do. <laughs> Maybe it's just my car, you know. It's like, okay, this thing's too cold. The thing won't spring back. But uh, anyway, we, we, you made it in. Good for you. I am proud of you. Uh, well, we're doing a, a series, and uh, it's Valentine's Day, and, I'm, uh, and I've appropriately uh, tied it in that this would be talking about the love of God. Uh, but, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is a, a weird one for me, uh, only because uh, different cultures uh, have different ways of understanding Valentine's Day, and I, I, I sort of just don't get this. Uh, Valentine's Day thing, and, and my wife would say, yeah, you, you definitely don't get it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do on Valentine's Day. I mean, I know it's the most romantic day in the year, but like, what does that mean for like me? Uh, what does that mean for like, what am I supposed to do for my kids? Is, am I supposed to do something special? Uh, I don't know, am I supposed to send them a card? I'm sure I am, but I'm delinquent, uh, you know, dad, I, I don't know. But, uh, but you know, growing up uh, in a different culture, this is what Valentine's Day meant for us. It meant uh, this was the day where the girls would invite the guys out. Wow. Uh, okay, so, and it, only, it was only appropriate to, like, teenagers. I mean, it, like, this thing didn't, like, transgress to the whole family and every, uh, you know... And, uh, and it was also the kind of day that you'd get a card, like if somebody like, really liked you, but, they, but you didn't know that they liked you, then you'd receive a card. Uh, and so, you know, all us guys, we knew how to work this game. If, if you were feeling a little insecure, nobody was going to send you a card, you just send one to yourself, you know. <laughs> hey, I got my card. You, go uh, you know, while well, I was checking in with V. Marie, she said, like here, uh, growing up uh, in high school, uh, the guys would show up at the carnation. And uh, it wasn't like an orchestrated thing. You know, it's not like, let's make sure nobody gets left out. It was very awkward because, like, all the pretty girls get all the carnations, and the ones that weren't so much got nothing. You know, so again, awkward tension uh, day. What does it mean uh, to, be, to be loved? Or, I don't know, you guys can figure out what you're going to do for Valentine's Day. I hope it's a blessed day for you, and you're feeling the love, and everybody's uh, good with that. But, you know, love is just such a, a, a weird uh, yet wonderful, um, not just a concept, but uh, experience. Uh, and what uh, one person feels loved by is not what somebody else feels loved by. I mean, you know this if you're married. You know, the thing that you think uh, your spouse would really, like, enjoy uh, may not be what they enjoy. Uh, for one person, it's verbally saying, I love you. For another person, it's not verbal at all. It's like you need to do something, like show me your love in action. Uh, for another person, it's like I need flowers. Uh, and if you're really, uh, you don't want flowers because flowers are smelly. And, you know, like she wouldn't like a flower. She doesn't like smelly things. Okay, so who would ever know that? I mean, you know, so you could accidentally just give Aurelia a flower and she's like, that's insulting to me. I don't like that. I'm not feeling the love. I'm sorry, Aurelia, I don't mean to pick on you, but you know how it is. I mean, like, love is just weird. I mean, it's different people have different ways of uh, experiencing God's love. But here's the thing. We all know when we, when we loved. 
I mean, we know when we like are being loved or are loved, or we know when we're not loved. I mean, now why that is, that's the mystery part. Why some people respond differently to others, that's the mystery part. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes uh, <laughs> the way it should work is that when we like are receiving love and we are being loved, uh, we become sort of self-secure uh, or we become confident or there's something in us which says, okay, now that I've got my love uh, measure uh, filled up to some point, I want to love others. And uh, nobody would be a better example than, say, Mother Teresa in that. Uh, and she had two very good quotes. Uh, one was this. People are unreasonable, illogical, self-centered, but love them anyway. All right, Bob's got something going there that uh, sounds pretty funny. Uh, his, his wife's not feeling the love at the moment. Uh, <laughs> she's just kicking him out of church. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, you take him out for lunch afterwards and you can... Mother Teresa also had this quote. She said, love is a fruit in season at all times and within reach of every hand. Don't you like it? I mean, like the fruit of the Spirit. It's just like it's in season. Like, like love is always in vogue. It's always good to uh, be extending love and to be feeling love and uh, to be loving others and to uh, just be doing that. That's just, it, it's always the right season. You know, one of the... Um, Bible studies that we've done in our life groups uh, on a somewhat regular, infrequent basis is this uh, series by Henry Blackaby, Knowing God. Uh, and Blake, we've got a little flyer there. This uh, series, and I just, I, I love this, uh, I love the title of this thing more than anything, and I love the picture of the guy in the back there. It's kind of like mysterious, yet rugged, and uh, it's, I don't know, if it's a guy thing. It's, it's inviting. But uh, Henry Blackaby picked up unbelievable amount of flack because of this title. Uh, Henry Blackaby uh, was, was head of the, the Baptist uh, Worldwide Mission Organization. I mean, he was like a big deal in the Baptist movement. And uh, the Baptist movement said, look, change the title. Experiencing God, no good. Change it to knowing God. And Henry said, uh-uh-uh-uh, no, 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 no. This is not about knowing God. This is about experiencing God. And the Baptist said, oh, no, 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 no. Terrible idea. Uh, we don't want experiencing God. That's charismatic chaos. We did, we, that will be bad. It's just knowing God. And Henry, as the great Baptist, he always said, nope, experiencing God. And this series has just been like a, a, a big hit. I mean, we like due to do it again. I know Sue Turner's done it. Uh, uh, Kevin Boss has run this series, and I've done it a bunch of times. It's just a great uh, series. It, whether you do it as the DVD series or the book study, it's just terrific. Because Henry, the, the full title of this thing is Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. Uh, it's just a, you know, it, it's a, one of those titles or one of those topics or one of those things which is always in season. We always want to experience God. We always want to uh, get the fullness of this. Anyway, uh, one of the things we say at Vineyard, if you come to my Vineyard 101 class, I'll talk about how the Vineyard, uh, we the radical middle, um, and it's kind of a little difficult to explain that. 
where on the one hand we're saying, yeah, we want to embrace all the best of the evangelical tradition, uh, you know, knowing the Bible, taking the Bible seriously. Uh, on the other hand, we also want to embrace uh, all the things that are good about the charismatic movement, uh, believing in God's healing and speaking in tongues and doing things that are supernatural and actually praying and expecting supernatural things, but doing it in a way which is kind of natural and normal, not hyped, not fake, not like radical middle. So uh, uh, when, when the founder of the, of the vineyard uh, was getting going, he picked up uh, a lot of flack for the same reason. He came out of um, an evangelical uh, sort of stream and then started uh, getting involved in charismatic stuff. But God was particularly using him with the gift of healing. And uh, he just got pummeled uh, on this, you know, like, okay, you gotta forget about this nonsense about healing and forget about this nonsense about praying for people to be uh, experienced prophetic words and forget about all that. Just, and, and, and John Wimber said, he said, wait a bit, wait a bit. He said, look, just because there's been abuse uh, doesn't mean there should be no use. He said it should be correct use. And, you know, that kind of phrase, that kind of thinking just stuck. It's like, yeah, the radical middle, you know, let's not be abusive, let's not say no use, but let's have correct use. And uh, so we've uh, pushed on on the idea of, you know, uh, that. Now, I, as you know, I, I preach out of the New Living Translation, and uh, I was very pleasantly surprised to come across a verse here, which I want to read to you out of Ephesians. Uh, there's a wonderful section in Ephesians. And uh, the way they've translated it in the uh, New Living Translation is that we should experience God. The way they've translated it in the New International Version, the King James Version, uh, you know, RSV would be, you should know God. So let me just read this verse to you um, and tease this out a little bit. Ephesians 3, 16 through, through 19. It's a very powerful uh, section here. It says this, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Holy Spirit. Now, just think about that startle. He will empower you. This is not an intellectual understanding. This is like you will experience empowerment. I mean, you're empowered because something's happening to you. It's not an intellectual thing. So you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Okay, there's a sense here of God's love, which we want to talk about today, that, that roots grow down and we become strong, we become rooted in his love. We've got to get that concept. And then verse 18, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Okay, again, this is like a knowing and experiencing the fullness of God, how big and powerful and wide. And, and then listen to verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. Oh, I just love that verse. 
you experience it, but intellectually, it's like too hard to get your hands around it totally. Intellectually, you can't fully grasp everything about God's love. But you know when you've experienced it. I mean, it's no mystery here. When you've experienced God's love, you know you've experienced it and you want more. That, that, that's normal Christianity. It finishes off, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So that's what I want for you today I, in, in this sermon. I, I want you that you would experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Now, there's no possible way that me talking and talking and talking, uh, you can experience the love of Christ unless the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do, which is to uh, pour it out on you. So uh, let me pray. Uh, Lord God, I, I just pray, Father, that your love would be uh, poured out uh, on your people today, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, they would experience your love afresh, uh, just use me, Lord, uh, in, your, in preaching today. I can't manufacture this. Uh, Lord, give me your words to express you know, some facet of your love, that we can grab hold of it, that we can experience it, that we'd be uplifted by it. Uh, so, Lord, I just pray for your presence to be here. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So uh, last week I gave you a picture of a rock climber, and I want to put this back. I said I would uh, refer back to this this week, and uh, indeed I did. And what I was trying to um, portray with this picture is the idea of God's love for us should be like this anchor in the rock. You know, this thing can't let go if the rock climber falls. Our anchor our understanding of God's love needs to be completely like fail-proof. Uh, when we fall or if we slip, uh, the love of God should not be the thing that becomes uh, undone or lets us down or, uh, you know, we have a faulty understanding of. Our, our understanding, our belief, our experience of God's love needs to be rock-solid, dependable, irrespective of all the circumstances, irrespective of the ups and the downs, irrespective of the hardships, the love of God needs to carry us through. And we need to have this uh, conviction uh, based on both the Word of God and the experience of God that God's love uh, will be complete. Now, a, a great section as we're going through this series of just trying to talk about walking with God uh, trying to understand what does it mean to walk with God, like, like knowing God's ways and knowing God. A great section to know God's love is 1 John chapter 4. Uh, you know, 1 John, it's just kind of a loaded section. You know, each verse you kind of analyze on itself uh, is a lot to analyze. But 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 7 through uh, 21, there's a little section there that just gives us a lot of insight uh, into God's love uh, and who God is and how He loves us. And I want to uh, tease out that a little bit uh, with you this morning. Uh, it says in that section twice that God is love. I mean, the essence of who God is, is love. I mean, that, that, that He can't be anything other than loving. That, that's, it's His character. And uh, whatever other image we might have about God, however we might conceive God, uh, the first thing that should be 
coming to our mind is that God is loving. Uh, it should not be like God is a finger pointing, you know, looking for a fault, uh, ready to pull you on the carpet kind of a God. Uh, that would be maybe some other God, but this is not the God. The God is a God that is, is love. That, that's who He is. God is love. And our delight and privilege and challenge is to experience that love. Now, the first point, if you are following along in, this, in your bulletin insert, I, I, there's three things I want to say here. But the first point is that God the Father, God, He first loved us. There's uh, an amazing comforting fact here that it doesn't depend on how smart we are or how intentionally uh, we seek Him or if we ignore Him altogether. God loves us. And He first loved us. And it's like a real broad uh, sense here uh, where, where God loves us. He loves the whole world. In fact, uh, Blake, you can put up that slide of Valentine's here. Uh, look at this fancy dancy thing. I mean, like it all just ties in. You know, Valentine down the middle. Whoo! For God so loved the world that he gave his only... You know, there's a sense that God just like loves the whole world. I mean, it's broad, God, just like... Okay, get rid of that slide quick before I lose everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. Good job. God loved the world. He first loved it. It's his broad and specific way that he deals. He created the whole world. But it's, it's much more exciting than that in one sense. It's very specific where God not only loves the whole world, he loves you personally. And not only does he love you personally, he's like interested in your welfare, He's interested in your well-being. He's interested in you. I mean, he, God is just that amazing. I mean, He can hold the whole world together, you know, how many ever, seven billion people, but He's interested in you personally. Uh, it's both. Uh, and that's who God is. So we read here in 1 John 4.10, This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Okay, just, again, John is dense, so, you know, just one sentence at a time. This is real love. Not that we love God, but He loved us. He loves us. Uh, and it should be normal, everyday, ordinary, Christian experience to experience God's love and to feel God's love and to know that God loves us. That, that should be normal, normative Christian, Christianity. It should not be abnormal. Um, what we are saying in the broad sense is if God loves the whole world, which He does, that means, by definition, He loves Buddhists, He loves Chinese, He loves Europeans, He loves Muslims, He loves atheists, and lo and behold, He loves you. God loves people, He loves the whole world. That does not mean that God loves all our cockamamie ideas of how we create God, he doesn't love like all the crazy things that we do and the way we invent God and say, well, you know, I like this part of Jesus, but I don't like that part. And, you know, I'm going to make Jesus be like this or like that. No, God is saying, I am God and I am the God and I am the only God and I love the whole world. And you can get to know me the way I've revealed myself through my son, Jesus, and through, my Bi through the Bible. I mean, we get to know God uh, in this way. You know, I want to share a personal story with you. And 
I want to just tell you right up front, I, I got this person's permission. I know it's a rare thing, but I actually asked this person's permission before I share a whole personal, intimate story of her life. Uh, and this is about Rachel Wang. Uh, some of you will remember Rachel. Uh, uh, Rachel used to be part of our church before she moved to sunny California uh, with her husband. I don't know why anybody lives in California. What's wrong with minus nine when you wake up in the morning and your door doesn't close and... Anyway, uh, but, but Rachel uh, showed up here, and uh, I, I just had a soft spot for Rachel. I mean, Rachel's going to be listening to this message, and Rachel drove me crazy. And she knew she drove me crazy, but I just liked her. I, I, just the way it is, all right? And uh, I remember asking Rachel, Rachel, okay, just explain this to me. Uh, you grew up in Beijing, China. You didn't know anything about Jesus. You didn't know anything about God. How did you come to know Jesus? And she, she told me a story, like she gets to Boston, her, her husband went to Harvard, and blah, 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 and somehow other, through the absolute miraculous hand of God, she comes to know God, because God first loved her, and she uh, found God. But anyway, she finds her way here into the church, and uh, in very short measure, I realized that Rachel was brilliant. I mean, you know, you, I, I come across a few people, I know a bunch of, bunch of you here in this church which are just like brilliant. I'm not brilliant. So I recognize brilliance when I see it. Now, now, you know, at that time, I used to be preaching two, uh, we used to have two services, and Rachel would sit around about there, and then after the service, Rachel would come to me and she would say to me, Rob, why did you not use the second, this scripture in the second service? And in the second service, you said this before you said that. Why did you do that? Were you trying to emphasize this more than this? And I'd be looking at her like, Gee, I don't know what I said in the first or second service. And she'd look at me like, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, you said this, and then you said this, and then you said that, and then you emphasize it in the second service. You didn't emphasize that word at all. You emphasized this word. I'm like, geez, give me a break, woman. I don't know. I'm just like... <laughs> okay, but at the same time, she's saying, I'm trying to get to know God, Rob, you know. And, and it's not like, it's not happening. Okay, then we had this like huge breakthrough uh, where she experienced God. And it was like a huge breakthrough. Now, I've got to like another rabbit trail. I asked this person if I could share her story. It's Rosemary Cooley. And she gave me permission. Because I know sometimes, you know, I just kind of go on and then you say, did you get that person's permission? You're sharing like bad stuff here. So Rosemary said, I got the blessing as long as I don't share something that Rosemary didn't approve of. But anyway, so <laughs> Rosemary was doing this awesome class, okay? And, uh, and this class came about because... Uh, Rosemary suffered from a very uh, debilitating uh, condition called chemical sensitivity disorder. Now, people that have this problem, like Rosemary had, it's totally debilitating to the extent that some people had it, like Rosemary, where you eventually you can't leave your house because somebody is going to be wearing deodorant, somebody's going to be wearing perfume. Uh, there's going to be some fragrance of something. I don't know if it's flowers or paint or whatever, but like anything that smells is going to be a problem. So you're certainly not going to come into a building like this because there's lots of smells, right? Even the carpet smells. I mean, like everything smells. So a person can't leave home. And so in trying to get help, you go to the doctors, you take medication, and when all that doesn't work, uh, there, Rosemary came across this uh, guy that said, look, I've got this thing that if you come and do my, I'm not doing it justice. I mean, you come down to the seminar, you do this thing, it's based on God, we teach the Word of God, and you experience the love of God, and lo and behold, if you do this, you'll be healed. And I'm thinking, wow, that just sounds crazy. I mean, how, 
Well, Rosemary goes and does all this, and she indeed gets healed. Now, I'm obviously butchering this badly. You can get the real story from Rosemary personally. But here's the, here's the point. So Rosemary is now running this class here at church, and uh, it's an ongoing class, and just going through different steps of the Bible and just teaching about God's love. And then the one week, it culminates in this very awkward, sorry, Rosemary, situation. It's called uh, experiencing the Father's love. And to experience the Father's love, uh, they do this thing called an A-frame hug. Now, the A-frame hug comes with a lot of like explanation. Now, let me explain to you how this A-frame hug works. It's like, hey, Rob, we need somebody to like represent God and to represent Father and to actually give people a hug. Would you do it? Sure. I mean, like I'm the pastor. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Okay, this is the way it works. Uh, I'm going to teach you about God's love, and then you stand in the class. And after class, I'll say to the class, if anybody would like a hug from Rob, he will give you a hug. But it's an A-frame hug because we don't want anything sexual. So you just kind of lean out like this. <laughs> and then, and then I've got to ask the person, can I put my hands on your shoulders? Because they, they might not like that. They might get freaked out about that. And the person, um, okay, Rob, this is Rachel. Okay, okay, you can put your hands on my shoulders. Okay. Okay. Is that enough? Is it long enough? How are we doing? Okay, time up. Done. <laughs> Next, anybody want a hug? Oh, okay, now wait a bit. This changed Rachel's life. Okay, so I, I didn't get it. I mean, all I know is the snot's running out of her nose and her eyes are like, she's like a water t- waterworks. I'm like, ah, oh, sentimental woman. You know, I was like just gushing out like, how do you get that from this? I mean... You know, this is like Valentine's all over again. I'm like, why? How does this work? You know, I don't get it. But it, somehow it was working. And Rachel, oh, thank you. It was awesome. It was the most wonderful thing. I feel so loved. I'm like, woo, gee. I, I mean, I could be a Casanova if this worked. I mean, it's like. But then when I was asking, when I was asking Rachel if I could share the story, she said, Rob, l- let me just tell you, that, that was very significant. But there was something that was more significant. I said, oh, really? What was that? She said, well, like a week or so later, she came into the lobby at church, and I came up to her, and I initiated. I said, Rachel, do you mind if perhaps I could give you a hug? And she just, the whole thing happened again, like waterworks and blah, blah. And this time it wasn't an A-frame hug. I just kind of, you know, Rachel, bless you. God loves you. Rachel, what was happening? She said, Rob, let me explain to you. She said, I never, ever, ever heard my father nor my mother say I love you. Now, this might relate to some of you. Rachel's parents were brilliant, like rocket scientists, like real rocket scientists. And they just, like, whatever, they just abandoned her. And she'd never heard her parents say that they love her. Never. And when I was hugging her, she was experiencing that my arms became the arms of God the Father. And my hug was God the Father saying to Rachel directly, I love you. And she was experiencing God's love. And from that moment on, pretty much the only thing Rachel ever wanted me to preach on was God's love. There was like no other topic in the Bible. It was just God's love. God's love. Rob, let me tell you another facet of God's love. It's God's love. 
So I'm sure Rachel will be uh, listening to the sermon and sending it to all her friends on Facebook because I'm talking about God's love. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, as uncomfortable and as real as that is, we sit in that situation. And Rosemary uh, is also saying, hey, with her chemical sensitivity disorder, one of the issues that had to kind of get resolved was that her father had never said to her, I love you. And, you know, as we get our healing, we realize, like, our parents aren't perfect. You know, and Rachel went back to China and ended up, like, I think she led her parents to the Lord. Yeah. And she started explaining to her parents about God's love. And then she realized that her parents actually did love her. I mean, she was like totally blown away that her parents loved her. But her parents did love her. And likewise with Rosemary. Her dad, Second World War, he comes out of the war. I mean, he's all messed up from the war. You know, it's like, yeah, so he had to deal with issues. But for us, have we experienced God's love? And, you know, I, I say this in all sincerity. Uh, you might be saying, you know, Rob, I would like a hug. And I don't want anything sexual to do with this. I will gladly, honestly, after the service, when we do ministry time, I'll gladly give you a hug. I mean, I, it's just, there's something to it. There's something to it. Now, I say that at the same time because, I mean, this is just such a weird topic, you know, honestly. Because this is not normal uh, protocol to run around hugging people. But on the other hand, when it's correct, it's very helpful and meaningful. Right? I mean, it like, it's really helpful. But here's the other side. Here's the flip side. This is the reason why we don't do this a whole lot. People that have been sexually abused, this is awful and devastating and offensive. Right? So somebody that's been sexually abused uh, doesn't want to be hugged. There's no upside. There's no good side. It just brings back traumatic things. So to... To come across somebody and just say, hey, I, you know, I just want to share the love of God with you, man, that's not on. So now we sit in the middle, like, okay, we want to express love to the right people, but not to the wrong, it's, and it's a, little, it's a little awkward. So I say all that just to say that that's the way it is. Give someone a hug, but you'd have to be, yeah, ask him. Ask him first. Absolutely. And therefore, it's a little awkward, you know, but you've got to understand both sides of the spectrum. Second point I want to make, uh, God sent his one and only son. Now, this is about the most like non-touchy-feely topic. Okay, so God's love. God sent his one and only son. This is like all head knowledge. This is all like, okay, I, I'm not feeling like love because Jesus died on the cross. But yet, it's the most profound form of love that we've ever known and experienced. I mean, that was such a profound form of love that when the Apostle Paul is writing the letter to, the, to Romans, uh, who, who he hasn't yet met, he says to them, he says, listen, when I describe what this religion's all about, following Jesus, and that Jesus died on the cross, uh, that was such like a mind-bending idea to the, the Romans and to the Greeks because the only gods that they knew and had sort of made up in their own image were gods which needed to be appeased and, and uh, you had to sacrifice things to like have the gods not be angry with you and you had to like beat yourself up to kind of like make yourself 
I don't know, humble or whatever, so the gods won't be mad and angry. And here's Paul talking about the love of God that he sends his one and only son. And Paul is saying, you will experience this love too. This idea of love, they had to create a whole new word in the Greek language. And many of you know it, agape. So to describe this kind of a love, yeah, well, it might not be touchy-feely, but it, it's absolutely profound. And again, when we go back to the section in John, 1 John 4, 9, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. I mean, God was up to something. Eternal life through Jesus. John 1, 4, 10, the next verse. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Okay, we know that intellectually, but this is profound love. I want to finish off with this third uh, point, which is uh, God's love has been excessively poured out. And I want to talk about this word poured out. And uh, here, this is kind of interesting because... In the New Living Translation, it doesn't come across that great, but in the NIV and uh, King James and all the others, it comes across as poured out. So the verse in Romans 5.5, 5, the one that one of the verses that Paul is saying to the Romans that haven't met him yet, it says, And the hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And, and the idea here of this poured out, you know, we just read our oh, God's love is poured out. But what I want to try and convey to you, that this was like abundance, excessive, overwhelming, poured out kind of a love. In fact, the Greek word is echio. Now, if you've got German in your background, or, or Dutch in your background, or Afrikaans in your background, or Flemish, or something like that, you'll say echio. It's like just great. And unfortunately, if you've got like French or Spanish, or Portuguese, or one of those like romantic language, you just can't like, <laughs> you just can't get it. So like, you want to give us a try? One, two, three, echio, echio. Now if you came, echio, oh, I'm sorry, you just like wrong thing. Okay, echio, just a great word, echio. Now the reason you go down into the Greek is, is this. You, you, you kind of go in the Greek and you say, okay, where else was this word used in the New Testament? And then how did they translate it? Because it kind of gives you a more complete picture. If you're trying to, if you're trying to like, grasp this weird thing about how God loves us. So it says, echio, poured out. But it also goes this way. It also is shed, shed forth, spill, run out, shed, run greedily, shed abroad, gushed out, spilled. I mean, you put them all together, you get, okay, that's how God loves us. It's just like pours out, spilled out, overflowing. That's what Paul is trying to convey in this thing. Now, uh, you know, I'm not like a grammar guy, but if you push into this echia word, it's tense is perfect, it's voice is passive, and it's mood is indicative. Now, if that floats your boat, bless you. Uh, and the perfect passive indicative verb forms 215 times in the New Testament. Now, if you need more information about that, go and speak to Bob and May Young Reader. I mean, that's what they do for a living, this like English language, grammar stuff, don't come speak to me. It's like passive, perfect, but whatever. God loves you. He's just like pouring it out in you. Let me just finish with a quick, I'll call it a fable. Maybe it's a tale. I don't know what the right thing is. Ask the readers this one too. They get the right thing. Or you can ask Bernadette because, you know, she's also whatever. <laughs> she loves this stuff. 
make sure I get those grammar correctly. Uh, but, you know, how do we experience the love uh, of God versus, you know, just like head knowledge, talking about it? Uh, you know, when my... It's like this. When, when my son was growing up, when he became an early teen, and I, all the teens are away in retreat, uh, I wanted him to get a value for money. And I didn't want to just like give him an allowance. I wanted him to work for an allowance. And so, you know, we'd have this list like, okay, you unpack your dishwasher two bucks, you mow the lawn 15 bucks. And, you know, we thought we were generous, like we'd kind of load it up, you could vacuum the car 10 bucks or whatever. You know, and, and whatever, you know, clean your bedroom, which you had to do. Uh, you know, so he comes back with a list and he says, okay, clean my bedroom, 10 bucks. Did my homework, 10 bucks. Got good grades, actually. Passed, 20 bucks. <laughs> Ryan Euro's coming. He works hard for a living. <laughs> Give me the sheet. And I'm like, Nate, you want me to pay you out for this? Let me explain something to you. <laughs> when mom was pregnant for, with you, you were in a real rush to get into this world. You know, you wanted to come out so quick and so fast, you had no consideration it was Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> you started coming out in a rush, and mom started screaming. I had to rush down to Brigham and Women's. I mean, I went through five traffic lights. Let me tell you something, Nate. It was free. I love you. And Nate, after you were born, you like, were like one busy kid, man. I had no sleep. <laughs> Nate, it, it was free because I love you. And he was super active. He wanted to just like play all day long. I mean, I was like, I played with him. Other people played. Nate, it's free because I love you. Then he started taking on tennis, you know, as he got older. Oh, like, and we're playing tournaments in New Hampshire and Connecticut and like, Nate, it's free. I'll run you all over the place. I love you. And, you know, what he didn't get was I wanted to pay for Nate's college one day. And from the day he was born, Liz and I started putting money aside for college which meant that we never owned a new car. We never, ever, ever had a car payment because I would only pay cash with a car. And all those days growing up, you know, the kids are complaining like, all my friends have all these electronic stuff and all my friends' parents have real cars that work. You know, every time you get in, the battery starts and the doors close like mine does. <laughs> and, and we didn't, you know, my car had like air conditioning. Like you move the mat and you see the road going down the bottom. <laughs> But you know what? When Nate graduated debt-free from college, Nate, it cost you nothing. I love you. You know, there's a sense, although we don't get the death of Christ on the cross, but when Jesus died on the cross, he said, God the Father is saying, I love you. And it didn't cost you anything. God says to us, his grace is sufficient. I love you. And it doesn't cost you anything. He says, my power is strong enough. I love you. And it doesn't cost you anything. My wisdom is enough to carry you through. I love you. And it doesn't cost you anything. 
He says, my goodness is there and I want to bless you. I love you. And it doesn't cost you anything. And if you see the way that Paul ends this in, in the Romans, he says this, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus, I just pray that your love would overwhelm us, would be poured out upon us, that we would experience the anchor of knowing that you're for us and not against us, and that you love us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we have the worship team come on up and let's worship God.